Welcome to Deconstructing Conventional, a show that's unafraid to challenge the status quo. We are eager to question our assumptions, to find wrong turns in our thinking, and take on controversial topics. This show is brought to you by True Whole Human, a coaching business that helps clients find the first principles that lead to better health and better living. I'm your host, Christian Elliott. I'll do my best to stay curious and humble. You do the same, and we're both bound to learn something. Welcome to the show. Prepare to have your thinking stretched. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23. I have another treat for you today. I'm pulling an interview out of our vault from the program we did called The Sovereignty Project. So Nina joins me in this interview, and this was from our health and healing module. So in case you're not familiar with The Sovereignty Project, it may be better named The Freedom Project. But basically, we built a year-long program to help people disentangle from, I guess, what you could call big everything. And in this module, we were particularly helping people take ownership of their health and really just disentangle from the medical system. So we talked about some of the topics like how do you you know disentangle from the world of insurance and what do you do about home births? And we just really tried to help people feel empowered to take care of their health from home. So really this, as health coaches, this may have been our favorite module because it was really a collection of so many profound healing tools and modalities and things that you may never have heard of or you might have heard of but you didn't know quite how to apply it. So we just really got into the tactical weeds, helping people take back control of their health and feel confident, basically putting the medical system in the little trauma and emergency room box where it belongs. Our guest in this episode is a naturopathic physician named Marie Rodriguez, and she had used homeopathy with Nina probably about 15 years ago, and it almost miraculously helped her in short order. And so we remembered that, and we wanted to have a conversation with her about homeopathy in particular and about some home remedies in general. And it's really things like the information in this episode that helped Nina and I feel empowered as parents to that really we have the tools to take care of most things that come up related to the health of our kids or, or ourselves for that matter. So I think this is an episode you really enjoy. So definitely get your notepad out or pause it where you need to, because she mentions a lot of specifics and things you can look into. And she even has a coupon for her healthy kids, healthy families. An interesting side note is that since we recorded this episode, homeopathy as a profession has come under a lot of attack. Big Pharma does not like competition, as you may have figured out. So that Whole Foods has pulled homeopathy from their, their store shelves. And there's a big effort right now to smear homeopathy like so many other things. So it might be a good time to learn about it and stock up. But anyway, if you like this episode and you realize you could use a health coach in your corner, maybe somebody to help you see beyond the limited realm of drugs, surgery, and radiation, which surprisingly, those are the three tools, drugs, surgery, and burning you with radiation. Those are the three tools the medical community typically has to offer you. And so if you want a health coach in your corner who knows so many different tools and different ways the body heals itself, who's been at this a long time and can help you see what you're missing, check out our website, truewholehuman.com. And without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. Marie Rodriguez. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a really special talk with Dr. Marie Rodriguez. I met Dr. Marie back in DC, I, I mean, gosh, over 10 years ago when I was struggling with a chronic um, 
inflammation response in my body that I was not able to get under control. I had tried an elimination diet. I was on a ton of supplements. And in one visit to her office, taking these sugar pills, it was my very first experience in homeopathy. Um, I saw dramatic results in my condition within just a matter of days. And within a week, all of my inflammation um, was gone. So I was really blown away by her. And since then I've been following her work and she's done some tremendous work in the realm of cranial sacral therapy, homeopathy. Um, she's a naturopathic physician and we're so excited for this conversation um, for you today. We think it's going to be really helpful. So thank you, Dr. Marie, for being here. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into being a naturopath. Thanks for inviting me on your show, Nina. It's great to be here. So it's a really funny story how I found out about naturopathic medicine. I would say that naturopathic medicine actually found me because I was um, browsing the book aisle in Barnes and Noble. This was after I graduated as a chemistry, pre-med chemistry major at the University of Virginia. And I kind of gotten disillusioned with Western medicine. I can tell you a little bit more about that. And so I was just kind of wandering the aisles thinking I would become a physical therapist, maybe a massage therapist, maybe a nutritionist or an herbalist. And I saw the alternative medicine, the the definitive guide by Deepak Chopra. And I was like, alternative medicine, what is that? Like I'd never heard of it before. And I kid you not, I literally opened right to the page on naturopathic medicine. And I had that like goosebumps feeling like, ah, oh, this is what I've been trying to put together. So in my um, undergraduate degree as a pre-med chemistry major, my health really suffered. So in my second year, I remember going home and I got really, really sick. I've been pulling all-nighters and my mom was like, this is not how you need to be living in school. And I went to the doctor and he's like, you have strep throat, the flu and bronchitis all wrapped on, up into oh, one. So, from the beginning. From the beginning. So the universe was basically like, this is not your path. And so spring semester, I just was like, at the University of Virginia, it's really, really hard to get an A. I would be carrying my backpack of books with me all around the grounds and just going straight to the library to like get my straight A's so I can get into med school. And so I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to join a sorority. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to have fun and I'm going to figure it out. And i had also happened to be in physical therapy at that time because I'd had to have knee surgery. I love my physical therapist. And they're like, we really think you'd be great at this and you should switch to PT. So I was on that track um, after I graduated. And then as I was a PT aide, you know, the situation is the PTs are doing all the notes for insurance and then the aides are doing all of the, the grunt work um, for the, the patients. And I could kind of see that I would have gotten bored with physical therapy. I think knowing what I know now, I would have had some different options. So I was looking at piecing together my own wellness offering for, for people, because I wanted to connect with people more deeply. I'd done, you know, a couple hundred hours of volunteer service, um, in the hospitals. And I just felt like it was really impersonal. My experience with knee surgery was, you know, fairly traumatic. Um, so I was kind of at a loss. So I will say that long story short, naturopathic medicine found me and I had taken all the prerequisites and I basically got in off the waitlist app last year because I had applied late and I just dove right in more of like an intuition and a feeling rather than knowing all of the, all of the details. And that was back in, um, I would say 1997. And of course, both my parents were like, why don't you get a real degree first? Um, but naturopathic medicine is, is growing and evolving and a lot of people know about it now. So, and you've had private practice in DC for a while now, right? 
I've had a private practice in DC since 04. So I graduated in 02 and did a residency at a clinic that specialized in metabolic detox and women's health, mm. bioidentical hormones. And then I did a year of volunteer work in Nicaragua. And that was more like emergency based medicine, something I just kind of dove in and learned how to prescribe drugs and um, antibiotics. And I even did some suturing when I was there, not something that I've you know, touch since, but it was a great life kind of shaping experience. I learned my Spanish, I became fluent in Spanish at that time. So I did two very different things before, you know, taking the leap to start my own practice. For me, starting my own practice was scarier than doing the volunteer work in, in, in Nicaragua. So, um, I've done, I've always changing and learning and evolving. And I now am passionate about incorporating energy healing into um, my practice, because what I see is that when people achieve a certain level of physical health, the next thing that's ready to come up is the blockages, like the energy blockages, like what traumas have they not addressed? Mm -hmm. And in terms of human potential, you know, we have so much toxicity in our environment. Our body wasn't really designed to handle what we're exposed to. And I think a lot of people go the route of like, you know, really honing and hacking their supplements. But I think about the backdoor approach, which is like, what can we mine out of your subconscious to free up your cellular um, communication? So if we go and clear those traumas, that ancestral history, then your cells are going to thrive and you're going to anti-age. So I kind of do it a little bit in, in reverse in my practice because that's how I've helped myself. I feel like I've anti-aged, you know, um, over the years. But today we're going to be focusing on families and children because I feel like it's so important nowadays, just given everything that we've that we've gone through. And I love to help kids thrive. I really feel like they're our future and they bounce back when we give them the right, um, the right support. Yeah, that's great. So before I want to get to your um, healthy kids, happy families thing, but for anybody yeah. listening who doesn't really understand the difference between a naturopathic physician and let's say an allopathic or a typical medical doctor, help them yeah. understand the difference between the two. Great question. So a naturopathic physician goes to a four or five year postgraduate naturopathic medical school. So there are, I think, four schools in the United States right now. I went to Bastyr University, which is in Washington state. And our training in terms of diagnosis is the same as an allopathic physician, but our treatment is very different because we don't, we don't separate organ systems we see all the organ systems as connected and communicating with each other. So when we learn about um, the pulmonary system and people who have allergies and asthma, we actually dive into the gut and the, and the nervous system. So we, while we take all of the ologies like embryology, histology, biology, um, physiology, et cetera, we learn nutrition we learn lifestyle coaching and counseling. We learn um, homeopathy. We learn botanical medicine. Um, and so we're really, I think that we're experts at prevention. Mm -hmm. So there's like a huge gray area. So when someone goes to the doctor and they just don't feel well, the doctor runs their labs to a medical doctor and it's like, oh, you're fine. It's all in your head. And we look at their labs and we take the middle third of the range. And it's like, no, this is off. That's off. We're, we're experts in optimizing and, and preventing and saving, potentially saving like millions of dollars, 
right? So I always see myself as a complement to a Western allopathic doctor. You know, we need medications, we need surgery, but we also need to empower people that their body is innately wise and knows how to heal itself. Very cool. Thank you for that explanation. So when you were um, writing up your Healthy Kids, Happy Family program, you had such a vast toolkit of things you could have picked to do that. But you made the connection in there. You, you boiled it down to three things. And one of them was homeopathy. So given Nina's experience where you just transformed her in a short amount of time and we're like, how in the world did you know to do that? <laughs> I actually... What you did was wonderful. And I have a feeling that you have millions of testimonies of people that experience the same thing and might just like me have been like, what is in these drops? I really wish I had those testimonies because you're an example of somebody who gets better and you never hear from them. Like, I think we've communicated a little bit, but a lot of times people are like, I'm better. And then I just, I learned my first few years of practice, like, no, it doesn't mean they don't like you or it didn't work. It actually means that they could be getting better and they don't come back. So over the course of my practice, I've had a lot of one hit wonders. Um, and I guess, so when I was in, when I was in, I don't even remember what the remedy was that I gave you. It might've been graphitis. You had like an eczema or something, yeah, right? No, thanks for remembering. Yeah. And you took me, one of the things that was so random is you had me test for all the supplements I was testing and you actually pulled me off some of them. You're like, this isn't serving you. And I was like, it's not. Um, I don't know what you did. So thanks. Thanks for that. All these years later. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my interest in homeopathy, um, I kind of goes back to when I volunteered in Nicaragua. So when I was there, I knew I wasn't going to have an unlimited amount of supplies. I basically got donations from different supplement companies and I brought a huge duffel bag of natural supplements. I was going to be there for a year. And one thing I did invest in was one of those homeopathic kits. I think it must have like 70 different remedies in it, or so maybe a little bit more, and it doesn't take up that much space. Mm -hmm. And so I just used what I learned in school and I would actually make potions because there were um, Nicaraguans who would walk like three hours to the free clinic. So I was on the island of Ometepe um, in Lake, Lake Managua, Nicaragua. And since it was a free clinic, people wanted to see that la gringa. She's like, they would say la gringa, she's got good medicine. And so I would, I would not just give them one remedy. And what I did wasn't, there's a lot of homeopathic doctors who would say that this is not the right way to prescribe homeopathic medicine because it's not a classical approach. A classical approach is like you give one remedy. And I believe that's what I did with you, Nina. But when somebody was walking three hours and they had a constellation of things going on, I would add them together. And my intention was always what needs to land in the system is going to work for them and what isn't appropriate isn't going to work. So I, you know, take things and I modify them. And some people have an issue with that, but I'm more of like an alchemist rather than a purist. And so I did so much homeopathy and so much craniosacral in that year that those were two things that I really um, enjoyed incorporating into my, into my practice. Um, and I think in school, it was just so mysterious and fascinating that I was a real, real homeopathic skeptic at first. And I, until I actually proved a remedy and when you prove a remedy, it's when you actually take the wrong remedy for an illness or a symptom, and you actually get the symptom that the homeopathic remedy is supposed to clear. So I was, um, hanging out with a friend. We were supposed to go to this naturopath, this barbecue, like be social. And I had a cold and I was like, I don't think I want to go. I don't feel well. She's like, well, let's just give you some homeopathy and get you ready to go. And, 
um, she gave it to me. We got in the car and all of a sudden I'm like, my eyes are like watering. I'm so uncomfortable and I'm sneezing. And she's like, Marie, this is so exciting. You're proving the remedy. You're proving the remedy. And I'm like, okay. Now I was like, I was like, I actually, now I believe in homeopathy because I did not feel like this at all. My symptoms completely changed in like a matter of like a half an hour or less. And here I was with all these different symptoms. So I go show up at this barbecue and I'm all like proving a remedy. And I'm like the case study, like, oh, how do you clear it? And, you know, drink a lot of mint or coffee or camp or camp for. And so after that, I um, took more classes in homeopathy in school. But that was kind of how it went for me in naturopathic medical school, because I kind of came in with the science mind, having been like pre-med and chemistry. And then we were getting exposed to a lot of like what I called like woo woo. And now I'm totally the other way. I'm totally spiritual into energy medicine and spiritual interventions. And, um, but at the time I was the opposite, like, you know, more like rigid and, you know, like the chemistry background. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about my history with, with homeopathy. And I love homeopathy because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. It's easy to carry around and it's really, really effective, you know, even though it's controversial, it can be, it, it can be effective if you get the right remedy and, um, there's little risk, there's little risk to it. You know, what I went through with the proving isn't, isn't very common that, that, that happens. Right, right. So I always try to empower families to, you know, think about having a few things in their medicine cabinet at home. Okay. So for people who are not familiar with homeopathy or just kind of coming to the, that mm-hmm. phrase for, or that word for the first time, what, can you give us like a brief explanation of what homeopathy is or how it works or the method behind it? Yeah, sure. So homeopathy, um, they're actually little sugar pellets that are vibrational or frequency based remedies or supplements or medicines, whatever term you want to call the FDA is actually trying to classify them as a drug right now. And we're fighting against it because, um, if that happens and it's going to limit, limit our access, but the fact that they're doing that tells us that these are powerful, right? So the way you make a homeopathic remedy is you take one part of the substance and a hundred parts of water. So for instance, Arnica, that should be like the number one remedy that everybody has in their medicine cabinet at home. Cause it's like the, in, the injury remedy. Yep. You would take one part of that plant. I, th- I think it's called like mountain tobacco and you would put it with 100 parts of water and then you would shake it a hundred times. So that's your first dilution. So that would be a one C remedy. So to make the 30 C, which is the acute remedy that you find over the counter at Whole Foods or like a, um, or like a Walgreens or some, you know, drugstores that carry homeopathy, the 30 C that would be done 30 times. So one part, hundred parts water, shake it a hundred times, your one C, then you do that 30 times and you get the 30 C. So for acute, you would go, you'd think six C, 12 C or 30 C. And then when you're treating more of the whole system, you want to go to your higher potencies, like 200 or one M and one M is like, is a thousand. And you, I think you can get that some in some places online, but a lot of times you'll have to get a prescription for that. And so when I do a one M it's when somebody's had surgery or, um, someone I'm, I'm treating their whole, the whole constitution. I'm wanting to like reach yeah. the whole person. And this is where homeopathy in my learning has been so wild and that the more diluted the solution the stronger or the more efficacious. Exactly. The stronger it is, which is kind of a a mind bender. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So the way it works Mm -hmm. is we're freak. We're all frequency based 
you know, as human beings, we're frequency based. So we're 10% matter and then 90% energy. And so homeopathy works on our energy system. And for an acute illness or injury, there's a frequency associated with that. And so when you take a homeopathic medicine, you're going to take one that matches your symptoms. And so it's going to match your frequency. And when your body gets that information, it gives it a nudge and it helps your body to establish, you know, better cellular communication. It can go into an immune response. Um, it's just giving, it's the idea is like, like cures, like, so the idea that, you know, I proved a remedy. I took the remedy gave me symptoms because it was the wrong remedy. So the right remedy for somebody who has symptoms will clear it, but potentially when it's not what somebody needs it, it can, and can cause it. Um, so they're usually made out of plants, out of minerals, and sometimes out of, um, either the nosodes were are actually made out of like different, you know, organs or, or, or secretions, right. Or uh, let me correct that organotherapy is harder to get right now, actually, because of the FDA, but you can give somebody homeopathic thyroid to serve as a blueprint for optimal thyroid function or homeopathic adrenal to serve as the blueprint for optimal adrenal function. Mm -hmm. And then a no sode is when you give the homeopathic, um, of like an illness and it gives the body that information. So in Europe, they're really advanced with homeopathy and they'll actually take like, you know, some mucus or saliva and make a remedy out of that. And it'll nudge the body in the right way to, for, um, to initiate a healing, um, action. I was really interested in getting a homeopathic COVID remedy made in, in the pandemic. And I'm, that's still kind of in the back of my head, like, you know, that would have to be kind of on the down low and because that would be taken away pretty, pretty quickly, but I would use um, different homeopathic medicines for foreign travel to prevent parasites. So just giving the body that information. So it's prepared. If you do get exposed to Giardia or Amoeba, you obviously want to still treat, you obviously still want to treat with the herbs if you get sick. But your body has that memory. Is that what you're saying? So that when it is encountering it, it goes, oh, I know this. I'm ready to to talk. Exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of like a vaccine in that way. Um, but as I said, some of those, those remedies are harder to find now, but that's something that I would always use, always recommend when, when people would travel. And so in India, they used homeopathy during the pandemic and had great success, like preventative success. So it's, it's fascinating medicine when you dive into it and it's got a ton of potential right now. I'm looking at homeopathic tick support. So there's a company called Celtech and they've got tick bites balance one and two. Mm-hmm. And so it's just helps prepare the body because, you know, if kids, kids are outside all day, you know, you can do your best to tick check, but you also want to have all of the potential preventative measures. Oh yeah. We lived in for, Virginia for 18 years. No, yeah. 18. anyway, yes, yeah. it doesn't matter. And ticks, Lyme disease is something that was, you knew someone, you knew lots of people that were suffering. Yeah. It's becoming more, more of an issue, right? It continues to grow. Yeah. Okay. Well, wonderful. Okay. So for anybody that's, you know, thinking about this, we, we've dabbled with it over the years and rarely have had the success that you demonstrated right out of the gate with Nina. So for anybody who is just looking to get started with this or trying to figure out where to start, um, where would you kind of nudge them or what would be part of their at-home homeopathy toolkit that you say, start here and 
uh, go from there. Yeah. So I'll just name some common remedies that I use. I already mentioned one, which is Arnica and Arnica is going to just really improve your quality of life. That alone, if you're able to give that for any sprain, strain, or bruise, um, this just happened yesterday. So a close friend's daughter, she goes, attends an outdoor school and a tree, a large tree branch fell and like, like hit the side of her head, like grazed the side of her head. She had to go to the urgent care. She didn't have a concussion, thankfully. So I said, give her aconite and aconite's for shock. So when somebody is like, just kind of out of it, glazed over, um, is in that trauma, traumatic, traumatic state. Um, I had her take Arnica and then natrium sulfuricum is the number one remedy to give for like a head trauma. If someone's had a head trauma. And so, um, with us learning more about, about head traumas and how they can kind of set in and create issues down the line. I think it's good to have that on hand. Um, belladonna is really great for fevers, like redness, heat, swelling, um, inflammation, food poisoning, I think arsenicum album, that's like really, um, effective for food poisoning. So nausea, upset stomach, um, desires to drink with sips only, um, cold body temperature. Yeah. So I would have thought of desire to sip only as a symptom of anything, but that's fascinating. No, but that's looking at the full constitution of the person to get the right remedy. I think that is so cool. And then go ahead. I don't say so Arnica is one to carry like in your purse, you know, just if you're traveling as well, because, you know, a lot of people will get like traveler's diarrhea or just, or upset stomach. So that's a good one to carry. So Arnicum album, that's the one for nausea. Arsenicum. So like arsenic. So it's homeopathic arsenic. Cool. (laughs) So again, for the listeners that are new to this, just to, because it took me a while to really figure this out, whatever is happening in nature that causes that response in the body, that is usually the remedy you're going to. And I think that is just so cool that like, um, I went to a conference one time. They said there's over 2000 homeopathic remedies and it's growing from what you said. There are 8,000. Apparently I read about, okay. Yeah. Well, my, my, my conference was last year. It's been a busy moment. <laughs> yeah. And so, and she had talked about how even certain like venoms, like if you're looking at a particular um, response in the body, again, whatever that component will make the body have, you're giving that in the, in the homeopathic remedy, right. Counter it, or it's going to, uh, to your, to use your words, it's going to equip your body to identify it and then, and then nudge it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so for the, for the family and we have a kit, Dr. Marina, I wondered if I should grab it, but that has a lot of like home use ones. And I've seen right. some of these in here and, um, you just covered some, I've got four boys. So you've covered strains, you've covered, um, head traumas, you've covered fevers, which is a really good one. And then you've covered nausea. Could you give us some more things that I, that that we encounter a lot of the time as a family of, you know, five children? Yeah. So there's one that has also been helpful for early stages of COVID. We're going to be seeing how like COVID evolves over time, but it's called gelsemium. And gelsemium is a cold and flu remedy. And the characteristics of that are dull, drowsy, droopy. (laughs) So just tired, heavy, just lifeless, dragging. Um, That's a great one. That one can also be used for stage fright as well. So that's like 
all these remedies have like an emotional component to it as well. And then um, this one's more for like little ones, like little ones, like infants that have colic, but it works really well. Um, Colic is so challenging for parents, right? It can be really, really stress inducing. So chamomilla, homeopathic chamomile. Chamomile. Yeah, that's a, that's a go-to one for, um, for colic. And I'm trying to think of others that's, you know, for, for cuts and scrapes, calendula, homeopathic calendula is a good one. Just like you would use like a calendula topical to heal the skin. I've used that Uh, along with flower remedies before box flower remedies. I put them on like, you know, someone shadow window in their finger or something. Um, and do you recommend those to people or do you use those yourself? Are they different than homeopathy? So there's, those are flower essences. So it's a similar concept to homeopathy, but not, it's not homeopathy in and of itself. They they are homeopathically prepared. The dilution is different. So it doesn't use a hundred. I believe it uses, it uses an X potency. And so X means 10. So you'd use one part of the flower to 10 parts of, of water. And, um, I think rescue remedy is kind of the common go-to that's got a combination of five different flower essences in there. Um, but no, I, I love the Bach flowers. I think if they work, um, they're over the counter. It's great to keep them in the cabinet. I've actually seen those work really, really well for pets too. I, on a cross country trip, I would spray the rescue remedy in the the cat carrier. So the cats would just sleep, you know, the whole time and, and feel calm. And that, that seemed to work really well. Some people might not notice a ton with the rescue remedy, but I think you should still, it's still great to try it. So you mentioned earlier that several different numbers in terms of, I'm guessing it's the strength of it, or there was something tied to how acute something is and which number you were picking. Did I capture that correctly? Yes, that's correct. So we, I talked about like, I think the 6C, the 12C, the 30C and the 200C. Mm-hmm. So for an acute um, condition, your options are 6, 12 or 30. So I would use a 6C if it's a baby, if it's an infant and you want to treat like a runny nose, maybe you want to give the infant like pulsatilla that's indicated for like an upper respiratory infection. And you can give it more often for support. And the reason why I would go more gently there is because if you do a higher potency, there's the potential of bringing on a healing crisis. So bringing the symptoms to a head and, you know, making that infant a little bit uncomfortable. Um, as a child gets older, you can use the higher potencies. You can use like a 12 C and a 30 C you could give if in a pinch, if you had a sick baby, you could give the 30 C, but just give it once and watch. So when you say what is that is each drop six and it's just, you get to the bigger numbers by adding more, or are you getting different little bottles for each of those well, potencies. Well, so the 6C is one bottle and that that potency means that that one part in a hundred parts water has been diluted and succussed. So they call the shaking is cussed six times, right? And then when it's diluted more, it's diluted 12 times yeah. and then 30 times. So the more diluted is like Nina said earlier, the stronger it is, right. which is kind of a mind bender, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's I, I'm chasing so many rabbits in my head between the electrical system of our body and the reality that water mysteriously has memory and, yeah. and can capture things and then recreate it from nothing. It's just fascinating 
how this that's exactly how homeopathy works yeah right. yeah so that's that, and i'm starting to piece together different principles so one of the things we have around the house is that i guess the 12 main mineral salts of okay homeopathy. well so, actually hold on i want to talk about one more thing okay um i want to kind of wrap this the part about the the homeopathy remedies and you gave us some really really good ones to start and i think that's wonderful can you speak for just a second um i was i got a kit at one point from my pediatrician which was wonderful and i think it had 12 i should grab it but it had 12 little itty bitty vials they were 60 for an infant and they had very basic like this one's for a fever this one's for colic this one's for diaper rash i want to say it was sulfur um and anyway they were great and so that for the first year of all of my baby's life i've had this it might be expired by now i got it 15 years ago so that's my first question is this thing yeah. expired if I got it 15 years ago, it can still work. Okay, I think cool. you're, you, but you might want to get new ones because you know, it doesn't hurt to get, if it's been 15 years, you're not sure, but I've seen, I don't think they expire. I mean, if you've been keeping it in a safe, like a cool, dark, dry place, yeah, yeah. You know, hasn't been exposed to a bunch of sunlight, hasn't like gone through the airport, you know, security, like many times. Oh, sure. Radiation. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I've never taken it with me on a trip. So that's good to know. That's good to know. Actually. That's really, really interesting that you said that. Thank you for I, didn't, I wouldn't have well, thought yes, about can that you, so, to bring it on a trip, but then to know you're exposing it to radiation would change it. Would any time hmm. walking through the airport, then security, is that going to neutralize remedies and you need to so check it in your bags? I think it's fine. I mean, there's different schools of thought and there's, there's different beliefs. Um, ideally it wouldn't be exposed to it, but it's, it's impossible to avoid. Um, I just like to think that, you know, we're resilient, our medicines are resilient and, you know, we're doing the best that, that we can, like a hold, like a strong intention around it. Um, you could travel, you know, those orgones that people travel with that kind of help protect against, you could put that near the homeopathic remedies in your bag or something, if you wanted to, as kind of like a, a protective, or I think people, different people have put them in different types of cases, like the silver is supposed to protect against EMFs. Um, those are some ideas, but I wouldn't go out and replace my whole kit after taking one. one. Yeah. They're kind of an investment. And that's yeah. what I wanted to ask you. Have you had people ask you what types of kits you would recommend for just basic home use? Is there a, a brand or a, a resource that you would, would have your clients go to so that they could start to shore up this sort of um, toolkit in their home? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the basic brand that you can get over the counter is Boyron. Or oh, that's Boyron. right. That's like at Whole Foods, like you said, the grocery yeah. store. And so I, I think that that's a, that's a great brand. Um, I will order um, from Hahnemann Labs in California when I want to get like more specialized potency. You know, Whole Foods doesn't carry everything, um, but I think it's fine to just get what you find over the counter. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a yeah. collection over the years since I've like, oh, Christian gets yeah. sick and he gets these really weird cramps in his in his back. So, and I, I'm always so surprised that I can go to the grocery store and browse through the remedies and read the different. And I'm like, oh, well, this one sounds about right. This is the cramping. This is the, and so, yeah, so we do have a, a really random assortment of stuff. Yep. Sometimes they work. And other times we're like, where is Dr. <laughs> and Murray? And sometimes I give them and I'm like, it's a good thing it's not toxic because I really, I don't feel confident in it, but I'd li- I like that I can give my family something yeah. that at the very least won't harm them. And, yeah. and I do also think, I mean, and as a mom taking care of sick kids, and you know, sometimes some of those things just need to work their way through the system, but you know, you're, you're caring for them. And in that care, you're giving them these remedies and, um, and that's a, that's in and of itself really comforting as well. Um, not to diminish that homeopathics work. I'm just talking about for the home use when I don't know what I'm kind of making my best guess. Yeah. Um, 
That's what it is. But when you, when you have a success, you know, you know, to use it again. Right. And then a lot of times if somebody has like a back spasm, you can do other things, right? Like the homeopathy is like part of it, but then maybe you're doing like a topical treatment, a hydrotherapy, a magnesium. And so it becomes part of, you know, the toolkit. And I, I kind of think of everything kind of working together. And as I said, I'm not a purist. I will combine a lot of different um, therapeutic modalities at once. And some people are like, no, I want to see that this works. And in that case, it might be a little slower path to recovery, but I think of homeopathy as something that rounds out the, the protocol. Um, sometimes when it works great, like a laser, that's awesome. But you know, other times it's like part of a, of a protocol. Well, I think this is why it's so important that someone has a homeopathic doctor in their, in in their speed dial on their phone. Is that even a thing? Speed dial. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's just, just totally around, dated yeah. myself in your speed dial as just part of what we call, you know, our, our board of advisors, you know, because for those things that you're like, well, I really actually want to get this right. That's why, that's why we call you. I mean, my goodness, yeah. you know, to ask all of the very specific questions about constitution sounds to me like you're also looking much deeper at layers that we may not even be considering about mm-hmm. our trauma and what we might be dealing with subconsciously, which is powerful. I don't know how, I don't know how I could self-diagnose you know, in the moment of something I'm going through to know, oh, let me just put my, you know, my, my trauma on hold while I research what I need to be taking. That's what's so great about having a homeopathic doctor. So thanks for what you do. So one other question on that is if you do nail it on the right dose, how fast does it typically work? Like when would, how would you know? I mean, it can work immediately. Really? Yeah. It can work that fast. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. You might need to, you might need to repeat, repeat it. Like, um, sometimes they've, for allergies, for instance, um, there's a product that I love called Northeast Allersode. And I've had that work immediately before if I'm like in a flare and here we're talking about a homeopathy, that's more like a different category from what we're talking about with like the classic 8,000 different remedies. We're talking about a local pollen or a local flower that's homeopathically prepared, Hmm. but no, someone can notice like, oh, I slept better. Or I just feel like that issue is like out of the room right now. Hmm. Um, so it can, it can work immediately. Um, if it's a higher strength or a higher potency and you're, and I'm wanting to treat somebody like the whole person then I'm watching them over the course of a month and seeing, okay, what kind of impact did it have? Um, do we want to dose that one again? Do we want to go up a dose? Do we need to, do we need to change it? So that's why I always use it because it's like, if it's going to work, it can work fast and it's cheap. So why not? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Now you can talk about cell salts. I got really into cell salts. Um, I wanted to try to remineralize one of my son's teeth. Um, Mm -hmm. and I read that was the first thing that drew me to cell salts. And so, um, and then after getting two books on it and just devouring them, I was like, these things sound really cool. And you actually put me on a bioplasma cell salt back in the day. You did. Yeah. I got it from, I got it from mom's organic market and they were easy to take. They tasted great. They dissolved in my mouth. Anyways, the point is, is I just thought, okay, well, I think I know I had good, I had good luck with these. So now we have all 12 in the cabinet and I've used them for various things like headaches, fevers. Um, and like I said, I'm doing the remineralization. A friend of mine had her son hit a sidewalk and bust his tooth out. So she was taking several cell salts for bone health. Oh, and, good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Speak a little bit about those and, and give us sure. some more information. 
Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you probably know more about it than me at this point, if you've got all 12 and you've been working with them. So cell salts are homeopathically prepared, but they're not necessarily homeopathic remedies, but they're homeopathically prepared minerals. Mm -hmm. And you're using it just in the the right way, which is to like replenish, to remineralize, to nourish. I think of it as part of a whole treatment plan and probably bioplasma is the one I use the most common because I think of it as treating the the whole person. And sometimes people get frustrated, like, well, I'm not noticing anything with these cell salts. And I'm like, this is for like three years. Like this is gradual. This is like re like changing your, your pH, your chemistry, supporting you, um, in absorbing the minerals from your, from your diet. So I use that one the most. Um, the second one I use most often is the ferrum phosphoricum for iron, for blood building and for iron absorption. What number is that? Do you know? I don't know what that number. That's all right. I just, the bottles have a big red number on it and that's really easy for me to consume, but that's okay. (laughs) Just read the words. Yeah. I mean, I, I've used them a lot more in the past. Right now, I kind of just stick to some of the basics that I'll go over. But the interesting one, the interesting thing to note with ferrum phosphoricum is you ever see little kids when they're they're sclera, so the white of their eye is like a little blue tinged. Like, have you have you guys noticed that before? So that's iron deficiency, and it won't necessarily show up on blood work, but they need iron. And ferrum phosphoricum is a gentle way to give a little one iron without giving them iron itself. So thinking of that with your um, leafy greens, with um, some of the, the herbs that are nutritious for iron content, the ferrum phosphoricum will help with, with absorption. So that one's that one I've used a lot over the years. Um, Calc floor for like dental for healthy teeth is another one that I've used, um, healthy tendons, ligaments. Um, and once again, the, the idea is to use them, you know, long, long term to kind of round out your, your treatment plan. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones I've used. Oh, Cali phosphoricum for like the nervous system and neurological health. Yeah. I've got a son who's a little bit high strung sometimes. And so I can just tell he gets, he, he's the most impacted by like emotional, uh, like transitions or, you know, anything that feels kind of out of his control. And I've been giving him that one to kind of help regulate his nervous system yeah. uh, when I remember to do it. So one. yeah, the rescue remedy might be good for him too. Yeah. Oh, oh good. Good to know. What about yeah. people who've been told they're anemic or they have iron absorption issues with that type of remedy you were talking about a minute ago. Yeah, I would give them, I would give them ferrum phosphoricum. You might also consider the homeopathic pellets, the um, ferrum metallicum. And an interesting thing to note with iron is I see a trauma connection with that too. When somebody's got chronically low iron and low ferritin, um, the idea is not enough grounding, not enough connection to the earth. So we're, we're grounded and we're, you know, resonating with the Schumann resonance. There's actually this idea that there's like electromagnetic minerals and that helps our, our absorption of iron. Um, so I've seen that a lot. And I, I was one of the, I, I had really low iron for the longest time. Like my ferritin was hovering below 10 and now it's great. So the, mm-hmm. as I've done my healing work, my iron has gotten better. You know, my mom's always like had like chronically low iron. And so I think of that with people, I'm like, okay, we got to get them grounded. We got to like yeah. keep the EMFs in control, get them outside you know, doing things that really like brings their nervous system down and plugging them into the earth and lessen the, the screens. Right. No, sure. it's so true. A lot of the work I've ended up doing 
the last few years with people is really the emotional healing. And as, as you get through some of the emotional stuff and you do get them feeling centered, the, there you can start the, the healing. And I guess to transition, one of the, the big emotional blocks or things that a lot of us have had to deal with lately is just this tentativeness or nervousness to go into the medical system, given what's come to light about COVID. And um, yeah. so when, when for anybody who's leery of putting themselves in that environment and they want to do things to build their health um, and just whether it's general health or whether it's a specific infection or something that they're uh, some remedy, what, what kind of things would you recommend for basic first aid? We've got some things for homeopathy. Are there other things in your toolkit for basic first aid, for infections, or just things to have in your kind of natural medicine cabinet that would help people have a little more confidence that they don't have to insert themselves into the medical system and um, take care of themselves? I agree. And I think that we've got to do some deprogramming, right? Because over my 20 plus years of practice, what I've seen is a decline in body confidence and an increase in fear. So when I first started practicing, people were more empowered and proactive. And then like certain agendas started creeping in and people are really a lot more fear-based. And part of being a human being is to get sick teach our immune system, something exercise, our immune muscle, and then we're more prepared for whatever comes down the pike next. Now it's become, don't ever get sick. And I'm like, no, we weren't designed to never, never get sick. So this is going to sound kind of interesting, but hydrogen peroxide, hydrogen peroxide goes a really long way for multiple applications. So think about it. Someone has a cut or a scrape or an infected wound. Do you want to clear it, clear it out with hydrogen peroxide? Um, if you feel like you're coming down with something, whether it be the cold, the flu, COVID, you can use hydrogen peroxide in a variety of different ways. So you can do a solution of salt water and hydrogen peroxide, half, half and half, even gargle it three times, and then repeat that three or four times a day. This will like kill the infection for somebody who really, really knows their body. Like I know I I wake up and I'm like, Oh, there's a tiny tickle that most people wouldn't even, you know, understand. I'll just, I always have hydrogen peroxide in my cabinet. So I'll start doing the gargling hydrogen peroxide in your ears. So get like a little dropper, put it in your ears. So I learned that from Dr. Mercola. So a large amount of of the viruses transmit through the ear canal. So would you ever think about putting that in your ears? So you're going to put that in your ears. Um, I haven't tried this, but this is another Dr. McCullough, other physicians are recommending this, is doing like a nebulizer. So you can get a cheap nebulizer just on, on the internet and do the hydrogen peroxide solution and like inhale it, right? Um, got the nebulizer and we got a food grade peroxide. Yeah. So I don't you know. Do, if you, you can do a food grade. You don't have to, but you can do a food, oh, food man, grade. Oh, we spent 12 bucks on Jeez. it. So. <laughs> we got a food grade one. Yeah. The one. food grade, you can actually swallow, right? Because right. ingesting hydrogen peroxide is a treatment for, you know, shifting the terrain as well. Ah. So, you so know, what, that would be just something to have. What, when you're putting in drops, how many drops do you typically think in and how much are you ingesting? So when I put it in my ear, I don't even measure it. I'll, I literally pour it into the cap, the lid, and I hold it in. Okay. And then I let it come out. You'll hear like the, the fizzing. It's really, it, it's really effective and it's actually kind of satisfying to, to do that, that therapy. Um, and then ingesting, I don't know the protocol for 
you know, you're supposed to ramp up. Like if you get the food grade, you're supposed to start out really slow and then ramp up over time and then kind of max out at a level and stay on and stay on that. So I'd have to kind of do some research into that, but I've had a couple of clients swear that doing the, the peroxide really helped them to feel taking the peroxide helped to feel them a lot better. So well, these are really, really good things. And I think all of us have that in our cabinet. And we can definitely afford to go buy a bottle. So that was wonderful. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. So that's just like a kind of, and then when you're thinking about what do I do, I'm just going to kind of walk because I have a cold and flu protocol I can share with people and I can share with you. It's like, have your arsenal. How are you feeling? Like, do you know, like, what are your signs? What does your body do when you feel like you're getting sick? And then have all these things and just remember, this is your go-to. Hydrogen peroxide is a number, is a really important thing to, to have in the cabinet. The next thing is also a little bit, you know, strange, but it's a hydrotherapy technique that's really, really ancient. And you might have heard the warming sock treatment. Have you guys heard of the warming sock treatment? Rice, or we've done the rice on the ear for like a ear infection. But I'm I've not done sure the frozen sock treatment. That's, yeah, so it, it's the frozen oh. sock treatment, but it's actually your feet get warm, so it it's called the warming sock treatment. And I love that remedy, that home remedy, because it works so well. If you can get somebody to do it, because people think it's crazy and they don't want to put cold, wet socks on their feet, but it will like, it it will dramatically kickstart your immune system. So you want to have your feet warm. So you want to, your feet want to have been in socks or out of the shower, out of the bath. You're going to get two pairs of socks. You're going to get a lightweight pair of socks, preferably all cotton. If you have all cotton, if you don't, don't worry about it. You're going to get the lightweight pair of socks. You're going to wet them, wring them out, wet them only to the ankle. You know, if you have ankle socks, use ankle socks, wet them, wring them out, put them in the freezer just for like 30 seconds to a minute, get them really cold. You also want to have thick, heavy athletic socks or woolen socks. You're going to put the cold, wet socks on your feet. It sounds like torture, but it's not, I promise you. And you're going to put the heavy socks over top and you're going to get into your comfy, cozy bed and you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like a lot clearer headed. If you um, were getting like sinus congestion, if you're already in the throes of like having a fever or, you know, a cough, it's going to just help your body get over that hump, do it three nights in a row and take a night off. But that is like. A miracle. I've seen it help so many people. Um, there are a lot of people who would never do it, but if I need to be clearer headed in the morning for a meeting or something, I'll do that at night and I'll have mental clarity in the morning because it helps to just drain the sinuses, drain the brain, um, helps with lymphatic circulation. So I, I swear by that. And sometimes in my practice, kids will ask their parents when they, they know that it helps them to feel better. They'll ask their parents, I need to do the socks tonight. And I think that's just like wonderful and adorable. Teach them to listen to their body. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so other, we're talking about other remedies to have in the cabinet at home, right? Anything for infections, whether it's, you know, yeast, whether it's fungal, whether it's on skin or or internal, is anything that helps people give some confidence there? Yeah. So for just overall immune support, there's some like basic go-tos that I think people can really have in the cabinet just to take long-term. I think everybody needs to be on vitamin D to be quite honest now. Um, 2000, even kids, 2000 international units a day, maybe not so much in the summer if they're outside a lot. I'm seeing a lot of vitamin D deficiency. Um, and so across the board, it's safe to just take the 2000 each day, have your zinc in the cabinet. You can take safely like 20 milligrams a day and you can ramp that up. Um, 
you know, if you, if you get sick, if you need to, you know, your vitamin C, it's a basic, but it's a tried and true. When you first start to get sick, you can take it to bowel tolerance. Yeah. Nobody loves to have the runs, but when you flush your system, it also supports you getting better. Like when you first get sick, you want to make sure everything's circulating. Like you want to have your lymph moving. If you can like sweat it out in a sauna, that's great. If you can hydrate, keep your bowels regular. You want every, all routes of elimination, you know, moving. Um, then for homeopathy, I think it's great to have, um, oscillococcinum in the cabinet. Are you guys familiar with that one? That's a Borean brand. You can get it Mm -hmm. in the box. Yeah. Tell us more about that. that. And that works great for flu. So they change that remedy every year based upon the previous year's flu strain. And so it's a homeopathic flu remedy. And I have people do it in two ways. I'll have people take it as we were talking about prophylactic, like quote unquote, homeopathic vaccine, like twice a week during the cold and flu season, you don't have to take the whole vial. You can just take a portion of that vial under the tongue. Then when you, if you feel like you're getting the flu, then you want to do, you can do a half or a whole vial, like three times in a day. And I've seen that just take care of a flu really quickly, especially when it's taken at the first, um, the first symptoms. So that's one to keep in the cabinet. Then there's, um, it's got a really funny name, Pelargonium sidioides, but it's the ingredients in Umca or V-Clear. So Umca is over the counter and V-Clear is by Integrative Therapeutics and they make mm-hmm. a syrup. Can you say that again? I, I can't even say it's, it. it's called Pelargonium sidioides. I love it. Can we say that three times? <laughs> it's got a really strange name. I think it's an, it's an African um, herb. I'd have to look up what it's, what the herb is used in and of itself, just okay. as an herb. So it is, um, for the first sign of a cold and it works. I don't know that it would work for COVID. I don't think it would work for COVID, but for like these other colds, there are more colds going around besides COVID. Right. So Do you even know the difference anymore. I mean, gosh, yeah. I just feel like, yeah, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I know. So that's a great, that's a great one to have in the cabinet. Um, Pelodronum sidioides, the, um, with, which is in the umca cold care or the V clear, um, oscillococcinum. Those are, those are too. Um, and then what, what else? What the gelsemium that we talked about too, is, is a good one to have the one, which one we talked about gelsemium. Yeah. And then we can kind of dive into some herbs. So I just thinking about like, you know, vitamins, homeopathy, and then the herbs, um, there's a Chinese herbal formula called gone Mao Ling. G-A-N-M-A-O-L-I-N-G. And that's to take at the first sign. And that works, that, that works really great. I would have to look at the, the specific ingredients. Um, but they're like the just the, the little herbal tablets. And then you can think about like having your elderberry syrup, you know, having ginger, licorice, or, or peppermint, all for a cold. And then we want to talk about different body systems. There's a couple basics that you can always have on hand. And I think about the berberine containing herbs. So those are, um, you know, Oregon grape is one. So barberry, bearberry, golden seal is another one. Golden seal is now endangered. So if it's in combination with other herbs, some formulas contain it. I'd say to try to avoid it if you can, but the berberine containing herbs will treat your skin infections, your sinus infections, urinary tract infections, 
if you've got like a bacterial GI infection, um, the bare brain containing herbs can be used in rotation to treat SIBO. More people are getting the small intestinal bowel overgrowth nowadays. Um, so you can keep that in the cabinet. And then I was, for- I was always told that herbs actually stay in your system and they build. So when you start taking these herbs, am I right that you would want to kind of commit to having it? If it's a tea, you're sort of drinking a little bit every day, or are you saying like, I'm going to wait around until I have SIBO and then I'm going to go pound a bunch of these herbs. What would there's you recommend? Different, well, there's different ways to apply it based upon what's going on for the person. So if, so you can't, you're right. If you want to take it in your system every day, like something that's just nourishing and tonifying and strengthening, whether it's for your adrenals or for something that's going to help with immune balance, that's going to be kind of at more like your, like your ginger tea or your peppermint tea or your licorice tea. That's actually like a much lower dosage, but for someone who's treating an infection, you want to get, so there's a formula that I've used over the years called Barbarous formula. And that's one that have people just keep in the cabinet. And it's like, you're going to take in four capsules four times a day because you don't want to take antibiotics and you've got a raging sinus infection or well, you've got these, like. These are the herbs that you're talking about that come sometimes in the bottles of the, the squirty squirt thing or herbs. So exactly. So either in like a tincture, like a liquid mm-hmm. or in a capsule. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. No, 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 you're fine. So that, so that is one that it's, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable with having people have it on home and and self-treating, but otherwise it can get really complex. And I honestly think that it's better for someone to have like a naturopathic physician or an herbalist or a Chinese medicine specialist, if they're wanting to like get more, you know, do more advanced care, treat more complex. I think that I'll speak on behalf of our experience with herbs. Not that I ever thought, you know, my experience with herbs has always been in teas are very gentle and very lovely, but yeah. both myself and a friend were talking about recently, not so recently, but we, we did a parasite detox and it's kind of self self-led. And man, if you don't know what you're doing, herbs can wreck you. You really oh. have to be so respectful that this is, this is nature's God given pharmacy. And I think, I don't know why I just, in my mind, I thought, oh, I literally just did it with my Christian, uh, for, for moral support. And I was like, this is miserable. I'm not doing this with you anymore. (laughs) Well, because you're using a high dosage to have an anti-infective reaction. So if you have an infection, it's going to treat the infection. But if you're wanting to like dig out at a parasite, yeah, you're going to get, you'll be running to the bathroom. Yeah. It's going to be really uncomfortable, but it's changing your ecological terrain. So you've got to be ready to like, know that these are strong and that I'm going to have a reaction to it. And so you're healthy. So you did fine. But for somebody else who's like weak or depleted, that would probably not have been, you know, efficacious for them. Like it could have respect the herbs. (laughs) So for infection, you're doing a higher dosage, right? So the other thing for like, uh, like, fungal overgrowth that you've probably, people use it really commonly is um, oil of oregano yes. and that and that's not to be used long-term, that's short-term. Is that topical or internal? You can do both. So like if somebody's got like um, just symptom, symptoms of candida or for women who get like recurrent yeast infections, you can do it. I would say doing it internally and topically, you can do, you can do both, it's but that's pizza. one. It's strong. It said you'll smell like pizza. It's strong. You can smell like it is strong. So you don't want to do it. It's super long-term. And then, you know, garlic is another one. That's Mm -hmm. like more of a food base and like including garlic uh, in your diet. But just those are some, some really good basics that people can kind of keep on home. I think keep at home. I think if you have 
like uh, natural antimicrobial in your cabinet at all times. You can try that first for, oh, I feel like I'm getting a sinus infection. Take it. You can also open up a capsule and put like an eighth of it into a neti and treat your science sinus infection directly. You can take way. a little bit of oregano and put it in your neti. I wouldn't do oregano. I think that would be a little bit too burning, but you could do like the, the, the berberine containing herbs. Yeah. That would go into a neti pot. Cool. That into a neti pot. And like, and you could also nebulize like the, um, hydrogen peroxide. For those of you that don't know what a neti pot is guys, it's way cool. Google it or don't Google it. it, It's something new now (laughs) where you take us a little porcelain pot and you tip it over in one nostril and it goes up into your sinuses and drains out the other nostril. So I just wondered if that might be weird to some people. Yeah. It's not weird at all. (laughs) My last two are the, like a fingernail infection. I guess my daughter's had one and it's been around a while or um, like a diabetic infection that's slow to heal because circulation has been limited for a long time. What are any particular things you would recommend for those kind of infections? Yeah. So so for someone that's not healing correctly, then I want to look a little bit deeper and it's like, okay, what else is going on in their life? Like, why isn't their body healing? is there nutritional deficiencies? Like, are they not getting enough C, enough fatty acids, enough zinc? Is there something that their subconscious is kind of working on overdrive at night? Like, is there a conflict? Um, what does their diet look like? You know, are, do they have sugar, dairy, or wheat? Those are, that's like the trifecta. It's like, take that out, even fast them. If they, they can do like a fast for a day, just to like reset the body and get their immune system working. Think about your hydrotherapy. Think about your warming sock treatment. Um, and those herbs that I mentioned should work for, for that, right? If it's, um, you know, if, if, if the infection isn't clearing and you address those underlying contributors, the herbs, you know, those should work for that. And then someone who's got like a diabetic infection, it's going to take longer, right? Because you really got to get the, the blood sugar regulated and controlled and kind of look at the bigger, the bigger picture. Um, because when treating an infection, it's also a lot, it's going to be about their diet and their lifestyle as well. Right. So we can take things, but then if we're eating like pizza and ice cream, you know, yeah, Mountain Dew. we're sabotaging. Yeah. <laughs> Inflammatory foods. Well, this is yeah. really, really helpful. And we'll wrap this up soon. I, we could talk to you about this all day. You're so, fun, right? <laughs> so knowledgeable. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's, well, wait, what about this? What about this? And not to overwhelm people, but I also just love that you, that you transitioned us so well. There is such a holistic view that we all have to be better about adopting when it comes to wellness. We can't just think of symptom treatment, symptom treatment. And so that was a perfect way to wrap that up. If someone's not healing well, we have to look at the whole system. Um, and that is really where it's at. So. Yeah. Well, so tell people where they can find you and tell us a little bit about your, um, healthy kids, happy family program that, um, you mentioned to us earlier. Yeah. So, um, drmarierodriguez.com is where they can find me and you can sign up. I send out some good content regularly if they want to sign up to receive my, my newsletters. And I have a healthy kids series that's available that there's going to be a discount code that I gave you guys to share with your audience. I believe it's healthy 55. Um, and so 20% off and basically what the healthy series, healthy kids, happy family series is it walks them through how to just get really prepared at home to feel empowered, to take your family's health into your own hands. So it's got three parts. The first part 
talks about digestive health because our digestive health is linked to our immune health. I dive into the topic of food intolerances and how it's so critical to be able to root that out and figure out if if you're dealing with a food intolerance to get your immune system working for you. The second part dives into homeopathy and includes 20 remedies to create your own home kit. And it goes over the indications for the different, the 20 different remedies ranging from colds and flu to skin infections, to headaches, to, um, accidents. So it's a really, um, comprehensive toolkit. And then the last part goes into home remedies for the common childhood illnesses, like the most common childhood illnesses that children will suffer from ranging from like coughs and sore throats to colds and flus to viral gastroenteritis, um, otitis media, ear infections, or, or pink eye. So just this course, this is wonderful. Yeah. Is this in an internet course or how does, how does the person get this course? So it was originally an audio um, dial in um, series that I did a few years ago, but then I repurposed it during COVID because I'm like, people really need to be empowered. I just see what's happening over the years to people's level of like engagement and empowerment with their health. So I, um, created videos, video content. So it's a video and a PDF for each of the three parts. So that might be something that they're interested in. I also did a six part blog a little like about a year ago when we were in the pandemic and I was like, wait, we have an immune system. We're not hearing anything about the immune system. So it's a six part blog that people might want to read just to like relearn. Because when I think you relearn and you expose yourself to information, your body gets that and your body gets empowered and your body will start working for you. And just feel free to drop me a line. If you have a question about anything we talked about today, or I want to get your your program sounds incredible. Thank you for that. I want to get that. I could use it. I mean, <laughs> maybe, I, I, maybe your next customer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll need to be. Cool. Well, thank thank, you. yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we are so honored that you took the time to do that and um, look forward to people reaching out to you and getting well. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for thinking about me and it's been great to reconnect. Thanks for listening to the Deconstructing Conventional Podcast. If you could use a coach in your corner, check out our membership offerings and personal coaching options at truewholehuman.com. To stay current with our latest episodes and offerings, subscribe to our newsletter. And if you want to keep the conversation going or suggest a guest or podcast topic, visit us on our free speech-friendly social channel, truewholehuman.social. I'll see you in the next episode.